Carter. I'm Eloa. And I'm Erin. And if you don't know three black bitches who love true crime, you do now. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. never know how to start oh oh wait we live now uh-huh. <laughs> I, I always miss it but uh hey y'all What's hey up? y'all <laughs> welcome back hey. welcome back you know once upon a time in the city of atlanta there was a podcast long long time ago <laughs> niggas got busy with finals okay niggas wasn't feeling good mm-hmm. it, it was it was it was a mess but we got together and we back for a little bit yeah, just right. We need a real break. <laughs> yeah, like one, don't beat us up because this episode is not going to be that long. And two, <laughs> we're about to go on Christmas break too. So yeah, and I'm but, already yeah. thinking about Christmas food. So <laughs> we hope but y'all understand this. This is not our jobs. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have jobs, and you know, Life it's getting cold and, outside, and it's a lot of things and, going on. But we're trying. <laughs> and life don't give a fuck if you got a podcast at all. Sure don't. She be at like, all. "Oh, you thought you was gonna have fun, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Not. You got another thing coming." <laughs> but yeah, no. but yeah, I'm happy to be back, even if it's for a little bit. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. So for our current and crime, we got an update on Shanquilla Robinson. Uh, this article is from the Charlotte Observer. It says, Doctor tried to revive Shanquilla Robinson before her death. Police report excerpt shows. Oh. Um, so the Observer obtained, obtained excerpts from a police report earlier this week that has not been public, that had not been publicly released at the time. The information was um, given to the Observer by Gerardo Zuniga. An investigative reporter who works in Los Cabos in Metropolitics, um, and details were first reported uh, on Monday, which is, I guess, our like two days ago for us. Um, so Robinson, uh, so Shanquilla is a Charlotte native. She traveled to Cabo on October 28th, and then she died a day later. The police information reported by and provided by Metrop, Metrop. This is so Metropolis mix uh, does not mention obvious signs of Robinson's physical injuries, which family members have said existed on her body prior to her burial. Grave injuries to her neck and back were determined to be the cause of death after an autopsy by officials in Mexico. The police report says that she also suffered cardiac arrest. Since her death, the FBI and Mexican police authorities have launched investigations into how she died. The lack of conclusive evidence and conflicting explanations has led to her story going viral, invoking global outcry with countless people closely following Robinson's death. The hashtag justice for Shanquilla has been trending on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. The information from the police report shows that um, on 2.13 p.m. on October 29th, medical help was summoned to Villa Linda. And around an hour later, Dr. Carolina Beatrice Guiteres of the American Medical Center, a local hospital, arrived to treat Robinson, according to uh, according to report excerpts. House calls to the vacation rentals for routine non-emergency medical services are common in the tourist hubs in Mexico. 
It's unclear in the police report excerpt who called for medical help, but the reporting person is listed in as living in Greensboro. And Donovan is one of the people uh, identified by the family, friends, and media sources as a person that Robinson was traveling with. So Donovan couldn't be reached for comment, but the police excerpt says that um, in the uh, with stable vital signs, she had stable vital signs, but she was dehydrated and unable to communicate verbally and appearing to be inebriated. The doctor reported that she believed that Robinson needed to be transferred to the hospital, but her friends insisted that she needed to be treated in the villa. Dr. Guterres attempted an IV, but was unsuccessful, according to the report excerpt. It's unclear what medication was in the IV. The information from police says that the doctor was there for close to an hour when Robinson began having a seizure. The convulsions from the seizure lasted less than a minute. At this moment, the patient's friend uh, named Winter Donovan called 911 to request an ambulance. In the meantime, the patient presented with difficulty breathing and a lower pulse, and they gave her rescue breaths. The doctor, along with a friend, began administering CPR at 4.49 p.m. when Guterres detected Robinson had stopped uh, having a pulse. Police arrived and talked with the doctor who was treating Robinson at 5.25 p.m. It's not clear from the information in the report exactly what time an ambulance arrived from the 911 call. The report information indicates that paramedics administer a total of 14 rounds of CPR, five doses of adrenaline, and six discharges without success. Unable to revive, Robinson Guterres declared her dead at 5.57 p.m., according to the report excerpt. The police report information lists deceased person as the reason that police were called. So it has a section uh, about, you know, it says, um, how did Shanquella die and Robinson's uh, family searches Francis. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but there's an excerpt um, in here. I think that does give like a full explanation. Uh, it says the final autopsy lists the cause of death as severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, Mexican authorities are investigating Robinson's death as a possible femicide. The state attorney general's offices, uh, office in Baja California, Sur, announced in a statement on Thursday. Femicide is the gender-based murder of a woman or girl by a man, according to um, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. The FBI began investigating Robinson's death amid the conflicting reports, and the agency confirmed in a statement last Friday to the Charlotte Observer and other outlets. So... (laughs) That's rough. I'm confused. So they said that the the doctor who was with her said that she just looked dehydrated. She didn't notice that like her back was broken or whatever. Her neck was broken. Yeah. They said she looked drunk and I'm just like, how did, how did she not look like she had spinal injuries? I mean, I, I, I've never been around somebody who had just recently experienced a spinal injury. So I'm trying to think like, how could you look at her and not think that like, yeah, she needed to go to the hospital. Yeah. I'm confused too. Cause I feel like, I can imagine, like, you know, like, sometimes someone has, like, a hairline fracture in, like, their tibula or something, so they don't realize they have a broken bone until weeks later when it doesn't heal. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, thinking you can have a spinal cord injury that's, like, you know, subtle like that. But then on the autopsy report for the official cause of death, it says severe spinal cord injury. So I'm, like, what's the truth? Because I don't equate a spinal cord injury causing disorientation, you know, like that seems like you you shouldn't be able to move your fingers and your toes type shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm wondering, 
I have two thoughts. So one, they said that this like routine medical checkups to these places is like common. So I'm wondering if maybe the doctor who came didn't have all of the necessary like education or they weren't the type of doctor that would like know that they were more like paramedic type or if like her spinal injury wasn't that bad and then when the doctor started giving her cpr and like pressing on her chest hella hard if like that that. made things worse but i don't know that's awful to think that she like could have fully survived i mean obviously it it seems like if she had gotten treatment she could have fully survived regardless but that's a thing like that help administered may have played into the death as well yeah and i've Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, if that's the case, then they might, they, um, whoever was arrested in connection with her murder might get off. It's true. Fair. I don't know. It's so confusing. And I've been in situations, not where I have, I've been in situations with a friend that is very drunk, not to the point where they would possibly need to go to the hospital, but I would understand if the friends really did think that she was just intoxicated, not wanting her to go to a hospital in another country. But yeah. it's like if they if she had gone, who knows like how different the story would have ended up. Right. But I understand being in a position where like I don't know what you know. T- you're taking my drunk friend to a hospital in another country that I don't know the rules or anything like that's scary. Uh-huh. But yeah. also, it seems like her friends weren't really her friends, so I don't know. This is yeah. just weird. It's like what you're saying makes sense to me. The part where they have me fucked up is where they lied about everything that happened next. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, we're all fucked up and I don't want my friend to go to a hospital in a foreign country or like, I really don't think it's that big a deal. Sure. But then when she literally dies oh and then, then you decide to start making shit up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then go to the girl funeral or like go to go sit with her mama or whatever ended up happening. Leave her body there and all that. Like, no, it stops making sense right exactly there. Yeah. Ooh. Another thing I thought was fucked up, and this doesn't have anything to do with the, the update, but it does have something to do with um, what happened on social media when niggas found out that they were trying to rule it a femicide. Mm-hmm. Somebody took a picture of, I don't know what the girl's name is, and then photoshopped it with a haircut and then was like, oh, she mm-hmm. used to be a man. Like, she, she's... what. A trans. What the fuck is a trans? Right. Like, and then saying that like, oh, he beat up, you know, Shanquilla Robinson and stuff like that. And just, I don't know. That shit was just so out of pocket. Like, first of all, somebody died. Like, right. Somebody lost their life and they're never coming back. And y'all's focus is not to talk about like how these friends, so-called friends, were violent towards this girl. It's to weaponize transphobia. Mm-hmm. against this person like okay yeah you want to cyber bully somebody who killed their friend go for it like there's nothing i can really do to stop that but like how do y'all always find a way to like bring queer and trans people into this shit and right. then use that as like some sort of weapon that's so fucking weird right. what is so fucking weird and they and just was, ran with that shit they did it was unsubstantiated this person was purely speculating like you said photoshopped a picture and was just like I got a feeling and put it on Twitter and it just took off. But it's like, what? Yeah. And the person and it, that's accused of fighting with her is sis. Exactly. Them, your people, <laughs> like those are y'all people. Trans people did not do that shit. Y'all can just keep, y'all just want trans people to be the villains so bad. And it's like, even, even in the event 
that a trans person does something violent, yes, they do need to be held accountable. But Absolutely. damn, like, a she is a she. Like, somebody who's a fucking woman is a woman. Y'all don't have to get on there and be like, oh, uh, they a whole nigga. Like, they just, like, they just automatically make somebody, like, 6'5 and just brolic and just so much more powerful than this other person. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And that's transphobic as fuck. Like, that's just right. So I do think it's interesting. So I read another article that said that femicide is the equivalent of what we call homicide in America. And I know that they use the Merriam-Webster dictionary, but I wonder if like it is specific to a woman killed by a man and like why they chose that charge. Cause then that changes a lot, you know? Cause like the video that we saw was of Dejeuner fighting Shanquilla. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, if that was the, what led to the cause of death, then why that charge? Like, is, are they saying that someone else was involved in between when that video happened and when she actually died? Yeah. I think that the reason why it depends, I think the charge of femicide literally just depends on who they find out was the actual person that killed her. Like if it ends up being that she got into it with a nigga who was down there and he is the one that like snapped her neck, then it probably would be a femicide. Cause that's a huge thing in Latin America. It's a huge thing everywhere. It's a, it's a, I'm not saying the U S is like no better or the numbers are even better here. We should probably have a femicide charge, yeah. but in Latin America, it's so like common like femicide is so common like women being killed and trans people being disappeared and shit that they have like a whole separate charge it's like a hate crime yeah so i'm just curious how they came to that conclusion and why they aren't announcing because they they put out a warrant but no one's been extradited yet and they haven't given a name of the person who the warrant is for and i'm just like really curious to find out who it is that they feel like they have evidence against is it were there other men that attended the trip besides her best friend that was with the family afterwards i can't I think remember it was three men it was, okay because there were seven people total mm-hmm. i think it was three men and four women okay if i'm not mistaken so either it was one of them three or some random other person that we just haven't heard of yet right yeah. unless the femicide was like an assumption charge yeah or probably just like a holding i don't know just a holding charge until they figure out what happened like a woman dies so let's go ahead and consider this to be like like same thing when like a queer person would die or something mm-hmm. just like go, let's go ahead and probably just classify this as a possible hate crime right then so, um so there's another article here do i need to read that one too um, I think it pretty much covers the same thing. I didn't realize that first article mentioned the femicide thing. That was the only other update. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'm interested. This is a this is a huge revelation, I feel like, because I, I thought I thought it was like they got into it, something happened, and they left and nobody had any idea what happened to her. But they the doctors right. were with her while she was still alive. Like they apparently yeah. she needed help while she was still alive. So that's a huge that's a huge detail to come out of this. And I'm thinking, damn, there must be a lot more now. Yeah. I feel like there's there's more to the to it. Well, obviously there's more to it, but even like outside of what we originally thought, because I'm thinking more about the doctor. And the fact that they, like, specifically said that doctors are called to these places a lot. I wonder if they saw, like, a group of Black folks on vacation and just assumed, oh, she must be drunk. Mm, you know? Yeah. And didn't, like, even consider that something more was wrong. Mm-hmm. Potentially. I don't know. But, but it, the fact it, that the doctors stay there for an hour, like, that's right. a long time to administer aid. And yeah. then they couldn't, they couldn't get her IV within an hour? So what yeah. was up with that? 
That's very weird. And I don't know shit about medical procedures and how that's even possible. Like, even when somebody has like rolling veins, they can get an IV, right? Right. You just right. keep trying, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's weird. Somebody I just feel like you just don't administer first aid for more than. 20 30 minutes like if it's at that point that we're leaving we're going to like the the place like you right. need emergency right. assistance like right so yeah that's Ooh. very weird yeah wow. still hoping for the truth to come out and for our family to get the accountability and the justice that they're seeking because me too that's if really the, sad if, if the government don't do it i'm gonna do it so <laughs> right. I'm pick quick, quickly quickly yeah. <laughs> right. i want every, everybody like i want y'all to be safe and i know like I mean, who would have known that this would have potentially happened or another story we were talking about, about people on vacation. But if things feel weird, you feel weird, just go home, <laughs> like, go home, leave your friends, leave wherever you are. Like if things feel off, they most likely are. So just like be safe. y'all. It stresses me out. So many people like talk so highly about like traveling solo or like these like travel groups where you just go with a bunch of strangers places. And I'm like, Yes, I would love to see the world on a budget or like whatever, but I'm not going to a foreign country by myself or with a bunch of people. I don't know. I'm just not. I can't do that. Right. I wish it was better because I just wish it was better. But it seems like recently there's just been a lot of shit going on with traveling and with the Brittany Griner stuff. There's just a lot of things. So just be be safe, (laughs) y'all. Please yeah no for real but i used to want to do like solo traveling and stuff like that but this whole like this whole string of people and there's is even way more stuff on tiktok that i've been seeing from people who are who can't get an airtime or any hashtags going or mm-hmm. anything like that so i'm like yeah maybe solo traveling ain't for me maybe i need at least a couple of people i trust with me because <laughs> listen it's not safe out here at all so yeah oh it's four 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 Okay. Numbers. <laughs> and on that note, we'll be back with the main story. <laughs> All right. And we back. Um, this week I am the lead investigator, Carter. And since it is Sagittarius season and I'm a Sagittarius. I decided to feature a Sagittarian serial killer. Decided or only had one option? (laughs) Because don't make me do campus for all of 2023. Like, I will absolutely do that. (laughs) I will drag y'all for a full calendar year. Like, okay, okay. (laughs) She quit with it. (laughs) Right. Not you only had one choice. Oh, nigga. I was so in the discussion group. Somebody dropped that chart. I was pissed because I say what? I seen like 50 Leos on there. I seen like 20, it was like 20 Geminis or like 20 Sagittarius. I was like, uh-uh. Right. So, somebody can be right. Uh-uh. Oh, I was God. like, no, we all can, we can all hold this L. It is accurate. <laughs> I'm in the house crying. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Not crying. Okay. So the perpetrator in this story's name is Jake Bird. So the story is Jake Bird, the bird hex. Our content warnings are attempted rape, rape, murder, bludgeoning, and violence against women. Mm. In case you thought it was going to be a fun story, it's not. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, got, it got dark really quick. Um, but Jake Bird was born on December 14th in 1901, making him, like I said, a Sagittarius. Um, 
This is like a speculated birth date because he was born in very rural Louisiana. So we don't even know exactly like what township or city he was born in. He would later on tell the authorities that he was born, quote, somewhere out in Louisiana where there ain't no post office. So, oh, yeah, oh, very long. Right. So we know he was born somewhere around mid-December, but that could be a little inaccurate. Um, not a whole lot is known about his childhood, like at all. The earliest information we have about him is that he left home when he was 19 and he was pretty transient after that. So he worked as what was known then as an itinerant worker, which is basically just a temp worker for hard manual labor. He would specifically work on the railroad, um, like in the, the, in my mind, I'm just picturing like chain gang, <laughs> but it's that section gang labor. So like putting down tracks and nailing them in and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, but this lifestyle and this particular kind of work made it easier for him to get around to a bunch of different cities, like throughout his life, um, which he enjoyed. It, it fit his lifestyle. Um, so we are going to fast forward all the way to 1947. So in 1947, the police received a call to a home in Tacoma, Omaha, because they heard screams coming from inside the house, like the neighbors. So two cops showed up. One was Andrew Sabutis and the other one was Evan Davies. So they pulled up at around 2.30 in the morning. And by this time, there were no longer screams being heard coming from the home. But as they approached the house, they saw a black man running barefoot out of the back of the house. Um, you know, it's the 1940s and they're white cops. So, of course, they immediately pursued him. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no. In a situation as they should, because there's a lot going on. So, initially, he, like, runs through the first picket fence, like, literally through it, tears it apart. And then he just starts scaling the rest of the fences. So, he's, like, running through yards, climbing fences. And he finally gets to a fence that's too high for him to jump over. Um, And he's cornered in, like, this alley. So, the cops felt like at this point that he was going to give up. But he wasn't going down that easy. So, he turned around and put his hands up and started fighting them. Like, literally fist fighting them. He also had a knife. (laughs) So, he pulls out his knife and he's, like, swinging it at the cops. He cuts one cop on the hand and stabbed the other one in the shoulder. They didn't have guns back then? Listen, I was like, this is the wildest shit I have ever heard because a nigga pulling a knife on two cops. Exactly. I'm in the 40s. Confused. Um, But no, they did not shoot him. Uh, So Andrew, who before he was a cop, was a prize fighter, punched Jake in the face and kicked him in the nuts. And that is what ended the altercation. Like, that's what took him down. Um. After that altercation, he was placed under arrest and all three of them. So the two cops that showed up initially and Jake were um, transported to the hospital. Um, Police were obviously sent to investigate the home back where the initial calls were made. And they unfortunately discovered a very sad and fucked up scene. So Bertha Clut and Beverly June Clut were the two residents of the house. Bertha was the mother. She was 52 years old and she was found dead in her bedroom. And her daughter who was 17 was also found dead, but in the kitchen, there was also the murder weapon, which was an ax 
in the kitchen as well. So it was immediately clear to the officers that both Bertha and Beverly had been bludgeoned to death with the axe, which I thought was especially wild because, like, you have an axe, but you chose to beat them to death. Yeah, that's horrifying. That sounds personal as fuck or just unnecessarily. All violence in that situation is unnecessary, but, like, to choose to do the blunt, it just feels like he wanted them to feel the horror of the scene that he left behind. Right. It sounds mm-hmm. very intentional. Like, very fucked up. So, as the police are conducting their investigation of the crime scene, they came to the conclusion that Jake had originally intended to sexually assault Bertha, the mother, um, before killing her. And June had heard Bertha. I'm sorry, not June. Well, her name was Beverly June, so different sources call her different names. But Beverly had heard her mother in distress and attempted to come to her aid. And that's when Jake attacked both of them and murdered both of them. Yeah. So as the police are investigating Jake, they discovered through like his long history of traveling the country and working in all these different cities, they did a long history of like attempted rapes, burglaries, arrests, assaults, all these different things. So as they're confronting him with this information, it doesn't take him long to start confessing. Like he immediately was like, all right, I was at the house, but I wasn't there to murder them. He claims that he was there just to steal a little bit of money to burglarize the home and that he only picked up the ax on the way there to basically scare them, like intimidate them. So he says when he first goes into the house, Bertha, he runs into Bertha and she confronts him, like, is upset. Why are you in my house? And he told her, he says he told her he only wanted money, but then that he was attacked from behind by Beverly, the 17 year old daughter and forced to defend himself. This is his version of events. Nice. Immediately. No. (laughs) Immediately. No. He also said that that he ran from the police and eventually ended up attacking them because he was afraid that they shoot him. So (laughs) for me, the running from the police makes sense. The fighting the police, because you're afraid you're going to get shot. The math's not mathing because it's like, that's immediately why you get shot. Right. So make more sense. If he was like, I just stood there. Right. Or put my hands up or laid on the ground or whatever, but no, this is his his version of events. So initially, they only charged him with Bertha's death. Um, their reasoning was that if they, for some reason, didn't get a conviction for Bertha's death, they would keep Beverly's murder in their back pocket to like charge him later on. Which, I mean, I guess, but I don't see why you wouldn't just charge him with both. That's right. Yeah. He was charged in October of 1947. And they had some trouble, like, collecting jurors for his trial because the defense was basically saying, I mean, this is 1947 and he is a black man, that it was going to be hard to find a jury of his peers. And there was going to be, like, obvious prejudice against him. But they figured it out really quickly because his trial began just a few weeks later on November 14th. So as they're preparing to get it for the tri- trial, there was debate about whether or not they should pursue the death penalty because the argument, at least probably from the defense's side, was that if they just sentenced him to life, 
you know, should he be found guilty, that maybe he might be able to help them solve other crimes that had remained open at the time because they did know that he had a history of, like, perpetrating other crimes. They eventually decided, though, they did want to pursue the death penalty. So that was fully on the table once the trial began. So prosecution sought to prove that Jake had planned to murder Bertha, that he fully went there with a premeditated plot to kill her so that they could keep that death penalty on the table. Um, They presented a lot of evidence during the trial. Um, They showed that he had both blood and brain tissue from Bertha and Beverly on his clothes. His fingerprints. Yeah. Yeah. His fingerprints were all over the axe and all around the house. And he had even left his shoes behind at the house because he said he'd taken them off to be able to enter the home more quietly. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. It's something off about him. His, the way he, his brain functions or something. There's no way you thought that was logical. Like at all. You took out your shoes into the house to commit a burglary. But then when you flee, you leave them. You run it. You know shoes. Like you jump in fences. Yeah. It does, what? Does this doesn't make any sense. You you're about to rob these people, uh, probably sexually assault somebody or murder them, right. and you want to make sure you're quiet. That doesn't. That was no, the priority. That does not check at all, friend. I was like, you going in their house barefoot? Like I would be afraid, more afraid of leaving, leaving tracks behind. Like I don't want to print or a thing, but. <laughs> I don't either. I didn't even think of that. I just it just feels grosser to me. Like it's just yeah. weird. Like, ew. Put your like, shoes your, back on. Your stank ass feet all on these people's floor and shit. Please. Because you want it to be quiet. That don't make no sense trying to make yourself sound like Supposedly. a polite little boy. Right. Um so the state, so Jake's court appointed defense attorney called a surprise witness, which was another officer from the scene whose name was John Hickey. He called him to testify on behalf of the defense because he wanted to convince the court that Jake's initial confession was given under duress. So what happened was when the initial fight happened and Jake was placed under arrest, John Hickey and his partner had Jake Bird in their car, in their custody. While he was in their custody, he was quoted, well, this is what he had to say about what happened. He said, quote, I regret to say that I lost my temper after returning from the club home and viewing the terribly hacked bodies of the two women. I'd asked Bird as we sat in the patrol wagon why he murdered the two women. He said he didn't do it. I asked him who did it then, and he said it was Leroy. I said, who's Leroy? He said, oh, another Negro around town. You're lying, I replied, and he looked at me with a smug and insolent look. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, don't kill me. That brought me to my senses, and we took him to the hospital, where a nurse said he wasn't badly hurt. All right, y'all, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge c- Us too. Wait, can we even say c-? Of course. It's empowering these days. C- 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 
I'm Ange Balasone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch while we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy and cunty with us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On the big c- couch. Mwah. So, like I said, right. So, Jake's defense attorney, James Selden, argued that even though the confession was signed and even though the nurse had checked him out and said that he was quote unquote okay, that his confession shouldn't be entered into the court because it was given under duress. Like, at this point, he's had his ass beat by three different cops. Yeah, right. But um, the judge, Edward Hodge, ruled that the two incidents had no correlation, and so the confession was still accepted and admitted. And a full confession was read on record before the jury, and that was, like, the last thing that was presented in court by the prosecution. So they rested their case after that. Why didn't they find Leroy? <laughs> right. They didn't even pursue it as an option. I mean, the thing is, what stood out to me about this case is, like, it feels pretty clear that Jake did this. I mean, they saw him running out the house. There's the, the blood, the, the brain tissue, the fingerprints, all those things. But then the cops are also, it seems, not following protocol. Because why are you fist fighting this man in the alley? Like, right. he's handcuffed in your patrol wagon. Why are you hitting him and beating him with a nice stick? And then fully admitting to it in court, which I thought was wild. I was shocked that that was like a quote directly from the cop from testimony in court. Because I would fully expect them to lie about that. That was probably the first and last time they ever got a police to tell the truth. Listen. So, closing arguments were made the next morning, and the jury then deliberated that afternoon for just 35 minutes. So, the entire trial was just a day and a half of testimony. Jake was quite obviously found guilty of first-degree murder, and the jury also voted to impose the death penalty. So that means that if the judge wanted to sentence him to that, that was fully an option. Jake, who remained fairly stoic throughout the entire trial, seemed pretty unmoved by the outcome. He was just like, all right. Um, Sentencing was less than a month later on December 6th, which... I just thought it was interesting that that also happened during sad season. Um, he was sentenced by the judge to be hanged in the gallows of the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla on January 16th. So, Ooh. yeah, a little over a month later. And this, this is like moving super fast. Yeah. He was just arrested in October. Yeah. Now he's going to die in January. Yeah. So Jake's defense attorney, Selden, the one we mentioned earlier, made a motion for a new trial, but the judge denied it. Um, After this, I mean, arguably feeble attempt because like the death penalty is on the table. He said he's not going to pursue an appeal and he'd done all he could do. He also quoted was quoted by the Tacoma News Tribune saying, I feel whenever any man 45 years old gets in an idea that no lives are safe to anyone except his own. That man is a detriment to society and should be obliterated. Ooh, okay. Right. This is this is what he's saying about the man he defended in court. <laughs> Damn. So at that same sentencing, the judge asked Jake to, Jake if he had anything to say. 
and he spoke for 24 minutes <laughs> and he was quoted by the same publication saying, quote, I was given no chance to defend myself. My own lawyers just asked you to hang me. They apologized for defending me. If they were so reluctant to defend me, why did they contest the prosecutor's proof of murder and now say that everything is proven? At the end of his commentary, Jake said to everyone in the courtroom, all you guys who had anything to do with this case are going to die before I do. Whoa. That's ominous. <laughs> very, very ominous. <laughs> Pretty intense. I'd be terrified. <laughs> I would start apologizing right then and there. Right. My bad. <laughs> I would not be able to sleep after that. At all. Mm-hmm. Um, on the next day during the transport to the penitentiary where his sentence was to eventually be carried out, Jake began confessing to dozens of other murders over the last 20 years. In an attempt to stave off his ex- execution. So basically he was like dangling this information in front of them. Like, okay, I was actually involved in all these other things. And I'll tell you the details. If you know, we can like put off this execution. Mm. And at first the prosecutor, the County prosecutor and the police Lieutenant were like, we don't want to hear all that. Like you're just making excuses. We don't really believe that you have information to give us. But on January 6th, at the request of the then governor, the Pierce County prosecutor and the Tacoma police lieutenant went to listen to the confessions in full detail, just to see if there was any merit to them. So Jake claimed to them that he wanted to clear his conscience. And the prosecutor told the press that they did want to take the time to gather up the details of his confessions, but they basically weren't going to be tricked into derailing his execution. Um, just because he wanted to play games and withhold information. So over the next few days, Steele and Lyons, the prosecutor and the lieutenant respectively, um, took notes on everything that Jake had to say, all these um, supposed confessions. After their interviews with him, they had 174 pages worth of information. Nigger. What? And he wasn't just making that up. He That's what I'm saying. He confessed to 44 other murders. How the fuck did he remember all of that? That's everybody from his town. <laughs> and then this one, he's and Leroy. He's only like, <laughs> Leroy too. That's all on the blame. Um, at this one, he's only in his mid 40s. I mean, you can still have a pretty good memory at that time. Yeah, but I'm thinking, like, I don't know what I ate for breakfast yesterday, let alone, like, 47. I mean, I guess they're, like, big deals. He's killing people. Mm-hmm. Fair. I was but, just going to say, I think, like, something that, something, even even if you are a killer, I feel like something like that is just very traumatic or just, like, makes a super vivid impression on your brain. Yeah. That's true. And so, and he probably yeah. wanted to remember them, too, right? So yeah, he could, like, probably. go back through them. Ugh. Yeah. Or maybe like he did half that shit and then made the other ones up because the more information he gave up, the more the longer they would stave off his execution, or the more they would feel like, okay, he probably got way more out there. So let's like sentence him to so resentence him or some shit. Yeah. Excellent point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so because he they had so much information to give to the governor after their little like the small interviews that they did do, because this was only over few days uh the governor did grant jake a 60-day reprieve from his execution so he got two extra months based on the hope that they could clear up some of these murders find out whether or not he's actually telling the truth 
Mind you, these supposedly took place over the course of two full decades and in like dozens and dozens of cities, several states, because he was transient for all those years. Um, so that being said, several investigations were open across the country and the investigators from the towns where the murders like were supposedly perpetrated had to come all the way to Washington to interview Jake and ask him the questions to clear up their unsolved cases. So they did that. And over those next 60 days, it was discovered that Jake had murdered mostly women across the states of Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and Washington. What the fuck? How did he just now get caught? That is so wild. How and was he traveling? He wasn't like careful. <laughs> right. He taking his shoes off and shit, leaving DNA <laughs> everywhere. The fuck? Like, listen. Police ain't shit. They're uh, really uh. not. But I feel like back during this time, like, I even thinking about the case that we covered where there was a serial killer. They thought it could be all these other serial killers with the little girls, the ABC murders. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? It was like how easy it was to like kill someone in one place and then. As long as you get out of town quick enough, yeah, that's nobody's true. gonna trace it back to you, especially uh-huh. back then, right? Yeah, because um, mind you, this is 1948 at this point, but that means he started in the 20s, yeah. So, which is, I don't know, that the, the reason why this makes it so segregation laws and like Jim Crow and I mean I know that like a lot of this shit took place in the Midwest and like Pacific Northwest and stuff like that but still they wasn't they didn't like niggas they still don't like (laughs) so even like a hundred something years ago this is still was it was very obvious like you are a nigga in like why that's that's a very obvious thing to be is a black man in fucking uh oklahoma or wherever the fuck you know what i mean so like Mm -hmm. to be able to move like he did over the course of two decades not get caught and then only get caught because you got caught running butt naked out somebody's house like it's (laughs) it it feels very organized but then at the same time it ended because he was so disorganized that's so weird like that's so weird So, of those 44 confessed murders, they only were able to, like, close out and, like, fully substantiate 11. Okay. But I feel like it's because they only had two months to do so. Right, why did they give themselves more time? Like, I know they really wanted to, like, like, the prosecutor was really like, nah, we want to hang this nigga, which Uh has a lot to do with white supremacy. But I'm also like, why not give yourselves and all these other people time to like seek justice if that's really what you give a fuck about. Right. right. It's not going anywhere. Nothing. 60 days is nothing for an investigation of one murder, let alone 44. Like, and they got to travel back and forth. It's not like they were, well, I don't know if they were planes. I'm not good with that kind of stuff, but it's, <laughs> they probably had to walk there. I don't no, know. They were at least taking trains, friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of with Aaron when it comes to stuff like that. I'd be like, did they have, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did Martin Luther King ride planes? I don't think. Well, so. no. I don't 
They have war planes though, like in World War Two. I don't. Yeah, know. I'm like commercial there. flights, because you know planes used to fly out the, uh, fall out the air. So I'm like, damn, what year did they just stop falling out the air? Like I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> we really uh, trust them now too. We get on them all the time. I don't trust yeah, them, yeah, but yeah. I still be trying to go places. <laughs> we in Atlanta, baby. That's home of Delta. They had a crash. This what seventy five? Fuck, come on. Like <laughs> we in the city. We in the city where it happens. <laughs> Miles. <laughs> I'm bragging about some shit like I be flying to plays and shit. Okay. So of, even though they couldn't substantiate or legitimately like solve and close out more than eleven of the cases, a lot of the investigators did feel like the information that he was able to give them aligned with some of their unsolved cases enough to make him a prime suspect and so like not officially close them but they were like we know who did this at this point um while he was going through these interviews over these 60 days he somehow also found the time to file his own appeal with the washington state supreme court he represented himself and argued his own case um, to the Supreme Court justices that the judge from his initial trial, Judge Hodge, hadn't given him the opportunity for a fair trial based on several judicial errors as he could see it. And he demanded a new trial. So on November 30th, so remember he was supposed to be executed January 16th. Um, on November 30th, he received the final decision for um, his request for a retrial. And they said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Judge Hugh Rossellini signed another death warrant to be carried out January 14th of 1949. So almost a full year after what was supposed to be his initial execution date. At this point, Jake has a new defense attorney whose name is Murray Taggart. He filed for a stay of execution so that they could appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, The stay of execution was granted. So that pushed his new execution date back to July 15th, 1949. But the U.S. Supreme Court said, we're actually good. Um, We don't need to review this. So no thanks. Taggart then filed for another stay of execution. And that one was denied. Tiger then filed three more petitions to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they were like, once again, no thanks, we're good. We said what we said. Um, At this point, Taggart and Jake go to what's their last-ditch effort, which is basically to request uh, executive clemency from the governor at the time. His name was Arthur Langley. And he was like, I, too, am good. So he upheld the the um, death by hang, hanging um, sentence that Jake had received at this point almost a year and a half ago. Oh. So the night before his execution, Jake did speak with his de- the defense attorney and he told him that he felt like he could be a good loser at this point because he felt like they had truly exhausted all of their options. This part I found to be wild. So they executed him just after midnight. Like they didn't even wait for the sun to come up. So it was like January 15th, 2.30 in the morning that they walked him out to the gallows. There were 150 witnesses there. And he didn't make a final quote in front of the witnesses, but a volunteer chaplain was 
reading a letter that Jake had written, basically expressing uh, remorse and things like that and asking for forgiveness. But before the chaplain could even finish reading the note, they pulled the trigger that makes the floor come from out, from under you and hanged him as it was being read. Damn. Yeah, I thought that was wild. Oh, like, I know he's right or whatever. Doesn't he get that? I mean, I guess back then. Also, I mean, he did some heinous things. I think that's what's interesting about this case. It's like everybody was wrong the whole time. Right. Right. Um, he was then buried in an unmarked grave and he left his last $6.15 to his second defense attorney, Murray Taggart. Now, for my favorite part of this case, remember when he said, all y'all who was playing, y'all gonna die before I do? Please. So the initial case took place in 1947, right? The end of the year, 1947. He was supposed to be executed in January of 1948, but he doesn't end up being executed until January of 1949. Okay. So but between his initial sentence... And when he actually dies, I'm going to read you a list of names of people who died. Edward D. Hodge, the Pierce County Superior Court judge, died at 69 years of age on January 1st, 1948, of a heart attack. Joseph E. Carpack, Pierce County Undersheriff, age 46, died April 5th, 1948, of a heart attack. George L. Harrigan, Pierce County Court Reporter, age 69, died June 11th, 1948, of a heart attack. There's another court reporter whose name I don't have, but he also died in 1948 of a heart attack. What is happening? Sherman W. Lyons of the Tacoma Police Department, the lieutenant, age 46, died October 28th, 1948, of a heart attack. No. Oh, no. And no. James W. No. Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> James W. Sheldon, Bird's defense attorney, the one who said he thought he should be obliterated, died of uh, at age 76 on November 26, 1948, of a heart attack. Oh my fucking God, y'all. Like so I'm, I'm shaking. <laughs> like, what the he fuck? He must be some oh type God. of like evil spirit something or something. Dark. Something dark. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh no. He's a <laughs> witch. Yeah, it was also said that while he was in prison, and I could take this with a grain of salt because niggas die in prison all the time, but they basically said niggas who wronged him in prison would also drop dead. No, he had some type of oh power. Oh my god, no, they, they, that was Satan, nigga. That was Satan. I'm sorry, like, yeah, yeah, it had to be. I'm gonna start back, I'm gonna start back going to church. <laughs> who, who said I was but, atheist? Not me. <laughs> what? And then this one also with a grain of salt. Um, there was another, um, penitentiary guard assigned to him while he was on death row who died of pneumonia two months before he was executed but it's not a heart attack i don't know maybe maybe not but all i know is when i was doing my research and they was like these are all people who dealt directly with the case and who all died of, not all of heart attack like is this death note like that's what i was literally just about to say i was like not death note like oh i was God. absolutely shook and what really stood out to me was the uh, judge and the defense attorney. Yes. Especially the one who said, who was talking all that shit. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of unethical. Like, you're, 
you decided to defend you decided to go on defense which you already know is problematic in itself because you could be you know um proving beyond a reasonable doubt that this person who is actually guilty didn't do this thing and they could get off so that's already kind of that you already got some problems coming your way anyway right and then you got on a mic you <laughs> went on national news and was like yeah fuck that nigga he probably did this you know what i mean well, not immediately you know after you lost the case though like exactly, exactly. you could have saved that you could have saved that or you could have just ate that shit like you lost the case okay i mean whatever like but you went like you trying to be a prosecutor now like this i feel like, like he was just trying to save face like i feel yeah. like it was like after because he was court appointed so he had to i guess do his job but then after they decided that he was guilty i feel like he was like yeah actually nah i feel like they did the right thing and i'm washing my hands of it had That's to eat those wild. words wow that's scary all within a year like they literally all died before him no that's not a coincidence at all i was petrified i was like i'll never wrong anybody ever again never especially not from louisiana (laughs) right and if if you're listening we we just report the facts you know (laughs) this is just a true crime podcast right uh, we're sorry for anybody we've ever offended (laughs) australia are you listening (laughs) honestly Um, but after that happened that then began being known as the bird hex or the jake bird hex so wow listen yep and that is the story wow that was very interesting and i did not expect that to have such a supernatural turn me either um that's not what i expected but i will say this um while you was talking i think it was while you were talking about his um his statement that somebody named Leroy had something to do with it and trying to like knock them off the trail or whatever. That reminds me of, did y'all watch my Hunter? Yes. Did y'all see, see my Hunter? There was, uh, I mean, it's obviously uh, every interview they did is based on real prisoners. But there's this <laughs> one prisoner who was like uh, from Augusta or something like that. And he, you know, he was super country or whatever. He, he had like a, uh, um, something going on with his uh, brain function. Oh yeah, I remember that they brought him candy bars or some shit, right? Yeah, I think he, that was one of them. I think because uh, wait, you talking about the black one or the white one? The, I think the black one. Oh no, no, no. I might be confused. The, the one with the, no, you you on the right track. That was the same prison. I think it was a different inmate. So it was like mm-hmm. the one they brought the candy that was to get that was to study um that was to study people who had some sort of like disordered function, mm-hmm. and so they ended up going to a either another prison or somebody else in the same city or the same uh, uh facility, and he was saying that like. He just knew he was so smart. He just knew that he wasn't going to get caught because he literally wrote a letter to the police or like to the mayor or some shit like that, giving like detail after detail about the case. But he wrote it from the perspective of a white man. He wow. was like, so he, he basically snitched on himself, but he just thought he was just so sneaky because he just like kind of, oh yeah, it was so-and-so like, I'm a, I'm a white man. J- trust and believe I am a white man. Like he put it in the letter wow. and then he was like, Oh yeah, you go, you want to look in like that direction basically or whatever. And they so immediately, of course, they're gonna catch him. Right. And then he was like, Oh yeah, you know, I wrote like uh, a white man did it. And and they was like, How do you know a white man did it? He's like, Cause cause I told them a white man did it. And this is like mm. <laughs> So Sorry. that's what that's what that gave me when he said Leroy. He was like, Oh, it was Leroy. I'm like, mm. So he you're Leroy. Right. So you're <laughs> basically where was Leroy? Because we only caught one bet naked nigga running out of here. Right. Like <laughs> Is your friend faster than you? Like, right. is he still in the attic? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, it just, that's a very interesting uh, aspect of, you know, I guess, 
but, but that he was so powerful that he was so intelligent that he was able to possibly, you know, throw them off their trail with the number of cases that he ended up admitting to. And yeah. that he was also so illogical with the way that he took his fucking shoes off when he got in the house. Nigga, what is you doing? Like, right. <laughs> it's just... He's such it's a wild card. He had even done time before for other cases. So one of my sources that I'll link in the bio is a longer... Um, podcast that did a story there's not a whole lot of information about this story or this person out there but she goes into a bit more detail about like his previous crimes and what he'd been arrested for and things like that and they were like petty things but enough that you would think that they would catch on to the fact that like maybe somebody should do something about this but as often as the case with our stories they don't because they suck so that is so wild that whole story is wild and the fact that his name is jake i don't know like I, Jake just doesn't. First of all, it doesn't feel like a name that it existed back then. Yeah, <laughs> and then especially for a black man, yeah, that, that has nothing to do with anything. Jake Bird. I mean, honestly, because there's so little to like confirm his birth date and town and things like that. Like that may not be the name he was given when he was born. You know, mm-hmm. maybe his name was Leroy. <laughs> Damn! Wow, you already did something. That Damn, that's a that's a great theory because I was just about to say Jake sound like a name from the nineties or something. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, sound like a name from back then. It was yeah. invented for Saved by the Bell or something. Please, that <laughs> 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 doesn't feel it doesn't, it doesn't feel very twenties or forties or nothing like that to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, you might be onto something with the whole wow. birth certificate theory. Yeah, we just cracked it. Yeah, please not master investigators. All I know <laughs> I know. is I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sleep very well tonight, but oh, I'm sleeping next to somebody. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> on FaceTime, bitch. I'm gonna come over your house. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, ain't nobody gonna be here but me and all these animals, right? You have to watch SpongeBob oh, or something. That's what I'm saying. To like, all y'all gonna die before me, and then like, that's wild. <laughs> That his words were that powerful. That is so wild to me. That powerful for him to literally be in the wrong. Because it's different when you see people like say things like that. Like it's like Miss Seeley, and she's like, Yeah, everything's gonna turn to dust, you know, like and he deserved <laughs> that. But this nigga was dead ass wrong, and they still died before him. Like, what kind of evil dark magic are you working with? Because uh uh-uh. all of it. You know, I need to speak to the manager. <laughs> Just go ahead and talk to them. Bitch, I didn't do shit. Right. <laughs> Don't the way I'm gonna pull up to the to the pearly gates like now, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, Linda. <laughs> Something's not right here. Check the list. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, same. Oh my Ooh. goodness! Wow, that was that was a very interesting story. I'm glad you chose that. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it mm. <laughs> as much as one can enjoy such a story. Yeah, very dark, very interesting. All right, we'll be back with something lighter for should this be a crime. Should this be a crime? It should. It should. I was like, we getting a remix? I thought you was like scratching the right. All right, DJ Eliwa, we see you with the blonde hair. Uh, you know what I mean? I gotta do something different for the hoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-oh. All right. So, um, the reason why I say this shit is because this is right off the bat just some ridiculous ass shit. But it's very oh, interesting to say the least. Florida man 
36, is arrested after having sex with Golden Doodle in front of kids. Crime. <laughs> in front of while kids. Taking, yes. While taking Pup out on a walk before wrecking a church's Christmas nativity and trying to steal a car. It was his dog? It was the I, friend's dog. I don't know why in my mind this was some random dog, which obviously does not make it better. But Yeah, but I I instantly thought cuz you know to do something like that to you know it's fucked up. It's fucked up either way. But like I would think that like it's levels to people doing fucked up shit. So I'm be like, "Okay, cool. Who would do that to their dog?" I instant like I automatically just thought it was somebody else's dog. This but obviously it's so much worse. And it's, it's so horrifying. many crimes in this headline. It's so many crimes in this. It's about 47 so of them. I'm not going to hold you. He had yeah, to have it, had like a full on break, like to just like you just doing stuff, like you yeah. ruin a nativity scene for what? Right in you front of kids crack with the meth, with the and mommy. trying to steal a car. How did you get caught trying to steal a car and trying to fuck a dog at the same time in the same sitting? Like, sir, please relax. And it's where were these children? Salts. Why are you stealing cars? It in is front giving of bath salts. It is yeah. giving bath salts. It's giving bath salts. Because, just to pull over really quick, when bath salts first came out, because niggas been doing wild shit on drugs for a really long time, but, like, people on crack, you know, they'd be fighting and, like, fucking on the sidewalk, like, whatever, but, like, I feel like drug-related crimes didn't really see new heights until bath salts came out when niggas started eating each other and like <laughs> yeah, biting each other's skin. was it was it during well we were did we do an episode where i realized in that episode that bath salts weren't yes. <laughs> <laughs> i promise y'all everything i love i just knew that that shit came from like bed bath oh, and beyond so so like, there was a bath and body works like run it up <laughs> <laughs> me and the homies or, got a party tonight <laughs> <laughs> or they went to lush and got like some fucking grapefruit scented bath bombs because uh, no. like, I, I thought it was like toxic material so sure. i don't fucking know like i don't know well i know lush ain't toxic but you know what i mean it oh, it's just so i don't why do they call it that because it's like crystal is that what they call it that honestly i never oh. thought about it until that that conversation i mm. i have no idea why they called it that mm. yeah what is it actually yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> Not all of us. I'm like, is that advanced MDMA or whatever? I'm going to uh, read why you Google. Uh, so a man was arrested after having sex with a golden doodle in front of children while taking the dog out for a walk before he ran to a nearby church, wrecked a nativity scene, and attempted to steal a car. Chad Mason, 36, was arrested for charges of lewd exhibition, exposure of sexual organs, and criminal mischief to a place of worship after he was caught with the pup while at, while out on a walk in the apartment complex located at 2600 block of McCullen Booth Road. He was having sex with a dog. When he was confronted by someone at the um, apartment complex, they tried to run from the scene. Mason left the neighborhood and fled into the Northwood Presbyterian Church nearby, ruined the nativity setup, and broke multiple potted plants. He then left the church and went to a nearby street, destroyed a mailbox, and tried to steal a car. Mason apparently knew the Golden Doodle's owner and took the pup out on a walk before he performed the lewd act. The 36-year-old didn't go on this insane spree until he was approached by spectators while he was having sex with the dog. A child also saw Mason perform the act. It is unclear why he then decided to go into a church. He entered Northwood Presbyterian Church and knocked over a nativity display and broke several potted plants before fleeing to the adjacent neighborhood. That's where he destroyed a mailbox and attempted to steal a car. That's what the police wrote. 
Police said that Mason caused about $400 in damages and uh, in damages for damaging the nativity uh, set and plants. He was booked at the Pinellas County Jail. A Florida law passed last year that made sexual acts involving animal sex a crime. Um, last animals, year? Uh, <laughs> I, it's Florida, baby. You know, it, you know where we at. Last year. According I, okay. to... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I was just going to read the last one. Um, he's subjected to one year in jail time and one a one thousand dollar fine. One year, okay. I got so many, so many. Yeah, it's just too much. It's like you gotta. It's like ten different crimes that happen. Being gay is illegal in several states to this day, but it just became illegal to have sex with a dog in Florida last year. Whose Please. rights were y'all trying to protect? What kind of sex are y'all really grossed out by? Y'all are weird. That's fucking I'm weird. deeply disturbed by this information. Not last year. Slavery is still on ballots in several states. And these niggas like, mm, that's a tough one. I'm about 50, 51.49 on that one. You're going to have to come back to me in a couple <laughs> Ooh, years. Shit. But we got people out here who have not made it illegal up until recently or haven't done it at all. To molest a dog who cannot consent because they can't cons- they can't communicate with you that that's what they want, and even if they did, why would you want to? Right, right. And that's your friend dog. I still <laughs> want to know because they didn't mention any motive. Like, why did he do all this? I why did he, okay? So had to is, be bath salts. So bath salts back to bath salts. <laughs> okay, they are a synthetic cathinones. And researchers say that they are chemically similar drugs like amphetamines, cocaine, and MDMA. This website also says they're most similar to cocaine, or the most popular kind of it is most similar to cocaine, but it's at least 10 times more powerful. So. No. What? (laughs) I didn't know that was possible. 10 times. People are alive? That's That's what what I'm I'm saying. saying. No wonder they act like that. That sounds like it will make your heart explode, right? It sounds like it. Well, it tracks for this story because it just seems like he couldn't control himself. They're also comparing it to like a super strong Molly in this. Um, I've never seen anybody do Molly and act a goddamn fool like that. But right. My wow. thing is, like we said, this whole this whole thing is fucked up, and there's not one there's not one time during this story where I'm like. Okay, I can kind of understand that, you know. At all, no. But if you time. if you were to do some wild ass shit like this, why the fuck did you wait until you got outside? <laughs> like you had like your dog sitting or whatever, and y'all you in the house, you're gonna commit this heinous act in the privacy of your own home or your family, your friend's house or whatever the fuck. But you waited till you got outside, and then you was in front of children. Right, they're gonna be so fucking traumatized, or they're gonna have like some weird fucking kink. Like, it's either one of the two or both. And uh, and then you tried to steal a fucking car to get away when you what? After knocking over all the plants and the mailbox, I also didn't know that it was a crime to damage a place of worship or something. Me either, but that part actually doesn't really surprise me that much. Yeah, I mean, it still is the Bible Belt, I guess, depending on what part of Florida you're in. Because there's Florida and then there's Miami, so it's like two very separate places. Very much so. 
So, I'm just, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely um, several crimes. <laughs> yeah, he only got a year. That's wild. Yeah, that's yeah. wild to me. He need to tack on an extra year for that haircut because when we show y'all this uh, picture. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm about to it looked like he went to a black barber, but they didn't do what they should have did. You know what I mean? Like sometimes on TikTok, like these white people, they'll go to black barbers and they be hooking them up. Like they be like yeah. giving them the business. It didn't happen here. And I'm just like, <laughs> you got arrested doing that and looking like that. That's terrible. And then they got a picture. Whoever wrote this need to be shot in the ass because every time we read something from the Daily Mail or every time we read something from like, who else is it? That's out of New pocket. York New, York, New York Post. They always out of pocket. Why the fuck do y'all have a picture of a golden dude next to this man? Right. Why did, like, she the side bitch. Please. And she's just so happy that. She didn't do shit. She didn't deserve that. She was assaulted. And y'all could I don't know. People can Google what a fucking golden doodle look like. I have so many questions. I need to know what time of day it was, how many drugs were in his system, where was his friend, why the nativity. Why the nativity scene? Yeah. It was kids outside, so it couldn't have been that late, right? Right. That's what I'm no, saying. No, it had to be during the day. So you were in broad that. daylight doing all this. Please. No. Oh. Absolutely not. Y'all giving Furry's a bad name too. <laughs> Don't even. That's everybody gonna be looking at the cosplayers like y'all perverts, you sickos. <laughs> um, they're dressing up in animal costumes and fucking each other is not the same as these uh fucking penis wielders fucking out here being out of pocket in the middle of the animals day. during Christmas, right? Because it's the month of Christmas. <laughs> December is just Christmas. Why the, why the fuck would you do that? I'm over it. Crime, crime, crime. All the crimes. You're right about the haircut. My God. It's terrible. His forehead looks so tall. His forehead looks like a can of soda. You're a can of soda. It's tall as shit. That's embarrassing for your whole life. If that Imagine if that's your ex-boyfriend and everybody knows. No, never. You see your nigga in the paper? You see your friend, right? <laughs> no, I don't know him. I don't know him. It reminds me of that tweet that go out every year during Pride. Like, if you see my baby daddy at Pride, don't text me. I already know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Send the means to my phone. Don't call my phone. <laughs> Ex for a reason. Uh-uh. Okay, crime. We knew crime. that before the story, but... Absolutely crime. <laughs> crime. And if y'all have some that are a little bit more ambiguous that need to be debated, definitely send them to us because the way folks be acting out here, it's not ambiguous no more. I remember when we first started doing this, it was like, damn, should this... I don't know. Like Now it's like, I'm singing the theme song like, yeah. <laughs> right. We gotta change the theme song. <laughs> this is a fucking crime. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Wow. Well, all right, y'all. Thanks again for your patience with us these last couple weeks for our little mini break. Mm-hmm. Y'all, real ones. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find us online at Iana Killer Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and Iana Killer Pod on Twitter. And you can listen to us everywhere where you can find podcasts. My favorite is Spotify. Yours might be Apple Music. Choose one. We on them. Except for <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to y'all next week. Bye, Bye y'all. Bye. Bye.